Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Pods Unchained, the one and only podcast where we talk about all things Gods Unchained, blockchain, NFTs, and also Gods Unchained. Joining me is my most lovely co-host, Mr. The Mudman. The Mudman, how you doing today? I'm doing great, Caution. How are you doing today? Oh man, I'm just happy to be here. We got a lot to talk about, as always. We had a uh, new balance patch, a couple uh, new currencies supported on IMX for buying and selling Gods Unchained cards, uh, a myriad of community tournaments and events. Uh, we have to announce the winner of the giveaway from last episode, Meteorite Echophone. We'll be announcing that at the end of the stream. And shortly after, be teasing some exciting news for the podcast and announcing our next giveaway slash contest. So exciting news for us, exciting news for the listeners. Uh, should we just get started? Yeah, let's jump right in. All righty. Well, first, uh, yeah, I, I, I'd say first and foremost, uh, we should probably start with the latest balance patch uh, coming with greater frequency, it seems, as the months go on. I know they've expanded the balance team quite a bit. So, I mean, it's nice to see just constant progression in that area. Wouldn't you agree? Oh, yeah, I think it's been, what, like two weeks since the last balance patch? That's like the perfect amount of time. Yeah, I feel like um, I, I left on vacation the previous week for those who uh, weren't privy, but uh, I, I feel like I, we just got one right before I left, and then I come back, and like two days later, we have another one. And this one really struck me by surprise. I was mid-game. My opponent played a guild enforcer, and I was like, something looks different. Well, yeah, that was an update from uh, like a week or two ago. They can update the the client without turning off matchmaking. Oh, yeah. No, that's true. Yeah, that would be the reason it snuck up on me there. Uh, so we'll get to Guild Enforcer in a sec. Spoiler alert. But let's start at the uh, top of the card nerfs list uh, with Einar the Frozen King. Uh, again, this is another one. The flash in the pan, so to speak. Got buffed a few weeks ago. And uh, now coming back to the mean. Uh, the text has been changed from, at the end of your turn, deal your strongest creature's strength as damage to your opponent's weakest creature, or if they have no creatures, your opponent's god. So this was a six mana, four, five, that, you know, either dealt your strongest creature's strength as damage to your opponent's weakest creature, or just sent it to their face at the end of turn. That text has been changed to, at the end of your turn, deal your strongest creature's strength as damage to your opponent's weakest creature, so same thing there. But if they have no creatures to this creature, now it's a 4-5, so they, if they have no uh, creatures on board, you'll deal 4 or uh, or more damage to Einar, depending on if you have another creature on board that has more than 5 strength, uh, potentially killing your Einar if they don't have a board. So, I mean, this used to be... Uh, multifaceted tool where if they had a board it could it could serve as a body and removal if they didn't have a board it's a body and face damage now there's a significant downside if they don't have a board uh how, how do you feel about this I, I certainly know how i feel i'm curious your thoughts yeah I, I think this is a great change the the old einar was way too strong he was just a guaranteed two for one every single turn until he got removed right uh, yeah, I guess unless you had like a 1-1 one, one on board, but for the most part, yeah. Okay, yep. Yeah, so like that was just obviously way too strong. Having him have some sort of downside in the fact that he might hurt himself is really convenient. Before, it was just too easy to put in literally any deck. It was just too good at everything. If you needed to be defensive, it killed the creature. If you needed to be offensive, it went face. Yeah, for sure. And I, yeah, it totally lost one side of that uh, dual-edged blade and... 
it was replaced with a uh, something that it self-inflicts wounds there. Um, yeah, I don't know. This went from like you know probably one of the better legendaries in the entire Divine Order set for me in its previous iteration um, to arguably unplayable. I feel like, especially in War, in the six mana slot, you're looking at Hereticus and Anus. I think are both far more serviceable in a lot of situations than Einar here. Yeah, definitely. Um, so. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if uh, this ends up seeing any play at all, or um, if it just flew too close to the sun and uh, yeah. has been relegated to collector's item. <laughs> it, it seems like the kind of card effect that like can't really be fair, because if it's going to you know deal bonus damage every single turn, it's either going to be OP and be a two-for-one every turn, you know, or if you nerf it like this, where it hurts itself often, it's not going to it's never going to be like one of the 30 best cards to put into your deck. So this is just a tough one where the effect's either going to be way too strong or they have to make it way too weak. Yeah, we saw a similar thing during the Trial of the Gods balancing phase with uh, Hydna, mm-hmm. where, you know, it used to deal three damage at the end of turn if you were ahead on favor, uh, and it was a 4-5 body. So they dropped both the body and the effects there. It also, and, uh, Hydna started as a 4-6, and then oh, it got nerfed to 4-5. that's right, Demogorgon stats, you're right. Mm-hmm. I and it also used to deal three that. damage, yeah, and then, yeah, then was, five dealing two damage than its current form yeah so um yeah which speaks to your point they had to bring that power level down a lot because you know anything that can be immediately impactful and snowball like that needs to be held in check or it'll find itself you know just in every single deck uh, which isn't healthy for the metagame either so yeah i'm glad they targeted this for a change um maybe it's a little uh too weak to deserve the title of legendary at this point but i guess that remains to be seen um next up we have a pretty similar story a card that was slotted in more or less every deck that uh it's you know uh, that was in its domain there um moon crazed cyclops the four mana uh what was it before four mana four four i got no, it was before it was a three, four mana three three with uh it got plus one plus one at the end of turn no matter what and if you're friends, you do get plus two, plus two instead. Right on. Okay, gotcha. So uh, started out as a 4-4 four, four base stats. Could be a 5-5 five, five if you're frenzied with upside. And uh, they stuck along that same theme, but now its base stats are 4-4. Four, four, and it's just at the end of your turn, if you're frenzied, it gets plus one, plus one. So no plus two, plus two snowball buffs. Um, but the in exchange, your base stats are a 4-4. Four, four. Uh, you know, just vanilla style. Um, so essentially, like, if you are frenzied the turn you play it, you end up with an overgrown rhino with upside. If you're not frenzied the turn you play it, you're playing a slightly understated creature that's also confused. Uh, so, you know, kept the floor the same, but definitely lowered the ceiling quite a bit. Uh, how do you feel about this overall? Yeah, this seems like a really good change. I agree. The old Mooncrace Cyclops was just nuts. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I was talking about how it's great in control decks because you can control the board with all of its stats or control their face with its damage. Yeah. And like now it's like a real choice. Do you want this or do you want the uh, Overgrown Rhino? Yeah. Before with the guaranteed plus one plus one, like if your opponent had a big front line, you could still play it and it's still growing. The fact that you have to activate Frenzy to get any buff is a really big deal. And the card's not bad. It's still like a totally decent playable card. It's just not nature's obvious best four drop. Yeah, for sure. This won't win any games by itself, or at least it shouldn't anymore. Whereas before, it definitely was capable of that. Um, but yeah, like you said, it's a real decision now. 
Do I run two Mooncrazed Cyclops for the upside, or do I take the consistency of two Overgrown Rhinos? Um, I doubt people will run all four, but, you know, who knows? Remains to be seen. Uh, but yeah, really, really like this change. Totally still playable. Totally still an above-average card. Totally not game-breaking anymore, so good job by them on that front. Um, another card that was definitely... Uh, Less game-breaking, more just game-warping. Yeah, game-defining. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in the previous patch there was Guild Enforcer. Um, you know, past weekend, if you didn't run two Guild Enforcers, you were doing yourself a disservice. Um, it has been changed from a 5-mana 3-4 with Frontline and Armor 2 to a 5-mana 3-5 with Frontline and Armor 1. How do you feel about this? This specific change? I, I think we all agree it needed a change, but this specific one, what are your thoughts? Um, I think it's a step in the right direction. It's it's definitely way weaker than it was before. Oh yeah. It's still crazy for a five mana card. Like uh, I've I've had a lot of people ask me my opinions on this card because it was so game defining. And one thing that I always say is, last week when your opponent played Guild Enforcer, it was OP and you had to deal six damage to destroy it. Now, you have to deal six damage to destroy it. That hasn't changed at all. So it's still incredibly hard to remove with things like spells. Yes, now Skeleton Heavies and Pyramid Wardens can deal one damage to it, which is nice. But I think the the bigger issue is armor might be a little too strong, and armor in conjunction with something like Frontline or Protected is really, really strong. And Guild Enforcer has Frontline, and it, it makes it... like you. I think you still run two copies of this in most decks, especially if you have buff cards. Interesting. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I think we might agree to disagree here. I... I... I feel like this was very, very significant because I, I share the same thoughts as you um, regarding armor in that I think it might just be a little too powerful overall. Um, or, you know, at least really, really hard to quantify as far as, like, mana value or stat value, like what the trade-off should be in order for a creature to get armor. Um, and that's especially true for armor in, like, a number two or greater, mm. um, which I, I was... Uh, specifically said by I am Bryn of the uh, balance team there is that you know armor at numbers two or greater has proven to be problematic and yeah I think that's uh certainly fair to say um you know I just I I, I I think the main area I would push back is this belongs in most decks still um I don't know I think there's a lot of decks that can now just explore other options in those like four or five maybe even six mana slots depending on how the deck tends to lean um on the, on a on that on a similar note though i do think this is still an excellent control tool and the fact that it's neutral uh you know makes for some great flexibility i, I certainly think this will see quite a bit of play um but as far as like you know <laughs> being anywhere as near as ubiquitous as it used to be. I don't know if we'll see this in like over 50% of decks, say. Oh, yeah, um, that's a fair assumption. Before, it was if you weren't playing two, then you were making a mistake. Yeah, exactly. Whereas, yeah, now you don't need to put in every single deck. Like, that being said, I think it's still very strong. I think it's better than most five mana creatures. Right on. And a lot of gods can make really good use out of armor, whether it's with healing or with buffing. And having frontline and armor means your opponent has to deal with it. So if you can make it. If you can increase the stats at all, it's still insane. Yeah, for sure. You're not wrong. Absolutely. That immediate board impact from Frontline or Blitz, like we see with the uh, Pangolin there, mm -hmm. yeah, definitely make armor uh, much better. And yeah, comboing it with uh, something like Protected, uh, 
yeah, that can be that can be really big, tough to overcome uh, for most decks. And yeah, the like you said, the threshold remains at six damage. Um, the biggest difference for me, uh, especially with the amount of nature I've been playing lately, is um, you know just if you're going to trade three threes in before it took four three threes you know now it takes three just those or three two three threes and a two two um so you know for those wider aggro decks a lot easier to deal with yeah Um, it's not as good at taking incremental damage anymore but before it was crazy almost everything has two attacker deals two damage (laughs) yeah more or less um anything that comes down before five mana anyway Mm -hmm. so uh yeah, no, not not uh, sad to see it go. Uh, I do still think the best way through it is those tall six plus damage answers, uh, which is why we've seen the popularity of things like uh, the moose and uh, you know just any whether it's spells, whether it's creatures. That six damage thres- threshold has become a lot more important than it used to be around uh, five mana, and that remains the same with uh, this change there. And uh, on a similar note, one of those. Uh, six attack answers has seen its strength decreased we have the decaying rhino the uh, four mana death common has seen its stats decreased from a six six to a five six with that same end of turn effect if you're frenzied you're fine if you're not frenzied it takes one damage uh so if you're not frenzied you have a four mana five five with a little bit of downside you don't have the confused though so still on paper it may be better than overgrown rhino on that immediate turn four um and yeah if you're able to be frenzied on that turn you know maybe you're at five mana and you can sneak in a soul burn god power uh you end up with a four mana five six which is definitely overstatted and definitely really solid still won't kill a guild enforcer but definitely really solid um i'm curious you've played a lot more death than me on any end of the spectrum especially recently um was decaying rhino making it into your death decks as it were uh, yeah, I've been playing Decaying Rhino. I played like 25 death games yesterday with two copies of Decaying Rhino, and it's it's definitely a nerf. Like, the fact that it oh, doesn't... Oh, you played with the new version? Yeah. Oh, wow, still, okay. I was asking about the old version. Yeah, the old I... version I played, new version, I played like 25 games yesterday with it. Gotcha, okay. The, yeah, the, the old version, I was thinking the most popular death decks and the most successful death decks, as far as I could tell, were those low-to-the-ground zombie zoo death decks or those incredibly greedy sleep board wipe death decks uh and i didn't see decaying rhino all that often um so i was honestly i was surprised to see this pop up on the uh sheet here not 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 because i didn't think a four mana six six with a slight downside wasn't overpowered or anything just i i didn't think it would be a card on their radar uh, because just because it wasn't nearly as popular as the rest of these cards that have seen nerfs there. So, um, but that's really interesting to me. So you were playing it in the new five six version and still having success with it. Yeah, it, it's still super strong. I think a a big aspect of it is when they released this card, there was no Soulburn God Power. Yeah. There also wasn't so many zombie generators. So if you need one mana at most to activate Frenzy, which is easy to do. But more often than not, you're generating three zombies a turn. So one of those zombies can go face to activate Frenzy. And then this is just another huge creature. It usually takes two resources to destroy, which means two creatures have to go into that. And your Curse of Obelisk has backline, so you have to deal with that first. 
Plus, it's just big. If you hit that with an effer's will, it has like 20 attack. <laughs> yeah, okay, that's fair. That's fair. Can see some fantastic finishes there. But, um, all right, cool. Well, then, yeah, in that case, uh, I'm all for this because, yeah, four mana 6 6 definitely scared me on paper at the very beginning. Uh, a bit surprised it hadn't seen all that much play, at least in my, in my experience. Um, so. Yeah, I guess I'm happy to see it nerfed if that was the case, and uh, I'm happy it's still playable. Yeah, and one thing they mentioned uh, at the top of the article was they're nerfing cards that like, not only are great right now, but they think might be great in the future. So maybe uh, Decaying Rhino fit into that category. Maybe next set there's some buff card that says buff all your rhinos plus 10 plus 10. Man, yeah, that is really, really nice to hear. Um, you know, uh, if, if I'm going to read verbatim, uh, I am Bryn here says... Uh, we've taken a look at some designs that might not seem so powerful now, but would have prevented us from printing a few interesting cards in the future. Uh, and I'm just so happy to hear something along those lines communicated from the balance team, because uh, that's definitely something I feel like, uh, you know, may have been lacking, uh, you know, that, that foresight in, the, you know, the previous set oh, balancing phases, um, you know, things like Neferu, things like Shadow of Lethanon, uh that I guess slipped through the cracks and have proven to be problematic or restrictive even things like the onslaught god power not to bring it up i know we're all glad it's gone but um yeah less so that you know it's immediately problematic but more so for the future design space just very restrictive um so yeah you're you're absolutely right uh the rhino does seem to fit into that category in my opinion not super oppressive right now but could definitely become a bit too good in the future um, we also got a uh, pretty large list of card buffs from Divine Order cards that simply weren't good enough to see play. Um, a lot of mana reduction, uh, a couple stat changes, a couple effect changes. Uh, starting off with a card that has remained inconspicuous indeed, Inconspicuous Bush, which is a uh, four mana deception card with Order 3, and when this creature loses order, add a random card from your opponent's domain to your hand. Uh, so previously, this was a 5-2 with order 3. Um, so, you know, only way to access order creatures being spells or ping damage, a 5-2 is just all too easy to remove. And the payoff doesn't seem that great to me. Uh, I'm not like a value deception player, so maybe somebody sees something here that I don't... Uh, hey... My man, you're here. I'll ask you. What do you think of Inconspicuous Bush? Uh, I think the old 5-2 version was definitely a joke. Yeah. 4-4 um, <laughs> is, like, really fair. That's the same stat line as Avatar Deception. Yeah, but the effect. Yeah, and the, and the effect is, like, pretty decent. The, the effect is good. It's very similar to the one-mana Divine Order Deception card that also has Order 3. It's a 1-3 that when it loses order, you get a card from your opponent's hand. Yeah, so I don't know. I think I think the one man one three is so much better. Just, oh yeah, I would I would play the one three. I wouldn't play the bush. I do right. think the bush has excellent card art. Oh, the card art is fantastic. Absolutely, that also led me to believe this was just meant to be a joke. Um, but yeah, I mean, likening it to Avatar Deception, I feel like that's a bit disrespectful. It's the to same either. It is. It is in the same domain mm -hmm. for sure. Both yes. Deception cards. Um, yeah, but I, I mana the, cost even yeah, I think but, the fact of the matter is like like I was saying with that one mana card Deception has a lot of ways to generate random cards from different domains and yeah. I don't know if this is the one you're going to pick absolutely not yeah and uh, you know some of those uh, Cutthroat Insight even that 1-3 that you mentioned there uh, that gives a card from your opponent's hand hand is way better right that gives you some insight into their hand into their deck also uh, it just guarantees you have a good game. card 
Yeah. There's a lot of bad deception cards. Your opponent's not playing bad cards. Yeah. Uh, it, it gives it from uh, your opponent's domain there. So, yeah. But yeah, there's a bad cards in every god. Absolutely. <laughs> You're not wrong. Including maybe Inconspicuous Bush. But that's for another day there. Um, glad to see it buffed because, like like you say, you know, the 4-4 yeah. four four is definitely better than a 5-2. Yeah. That much is obvious. Huge buff. Maybe now you think about it. Maybe. Absolutely. I'll be looking forward to some uh, LC Hammer meme decks featuring Inconspicuous Bush. Uh, next up, we have Pray to Win, a deception spell. Previously two mana, now costs one. That's half as much. Yeah, big buff. Yeah. Uh, the effect is blessed and add a random card from the opposing god's domain to your hand. So once again, no control over what you're getting. Uh, very, very random. The very definition of random. Uh, but you get a nice little blessed effect for consistency on top. Um, what do you think? Better than stalling plans? Worse than stalling plans? Uh, I think I'd rather play stolen plans. Just for the control over yeah. what you end up receiving, right? Yeah, yeah. It, it's a weird thing where, like, yeah, early game blast is really good, right? But this card falls into that category of why would you put this in your deck when you can choose a card to put into your deck? Yeah, there's if you if you want blessed effects, there's a one mana two two with blessed. I would rather go yeah. with that uh, if you're looking for favor related things. Uh, if you're looking for random value generation, I'd go with stolen plans. But um, it's a fun uh, card name. Uh, and you know, maybe again, maybe now you think about it. Yeah, maybe the, the only way I see this being relevant is if there's like a weird like that which aches deck, something where like you just oh. need specifically one mana cards. Yeah, I like the sound of that. Or maybe maybe Miracle Deception is around the corner. Yeah, sure. Sure. Is there anything else? Hey, thanks for saying that. Is there anything else <laughs> besides that which aches that wants you to play multiple cards in one turn? Is Deception? As Deception, or as neutral, I guess. Yeah, we'll talk later. Um, <laughs> I don't think so. Uh, next up, we have another two-mana deception card. Drop down to one mana. This is Cobra Scepter, which has now seen, you know, its entirety halved, essentially, at this point. Used to be a two-mana, zero-one relic. Uh, when your opponent draws a card, deal two damage to their god. They dropped that to one damage to their god, and now they've dropped it to one mana. So final relic, one mana, zero-one. When your opponent draws a card, deal one damage to their god. Uh, I, I feel I'm 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 back on the fence about Cobra Scepter uh, after this change there, just because if you look at it strictly from a value perspective, y your opponent draws cards every turn. I think we all know that you can make them draw extra cards if you so choose. But I mean, if this sticks for four turns. Right? It either absorbs relic removal or it's going to be plus effective value or expected value from a one mana card, right? Four face damage for one mana. That's pretty good on paper with upside. But at the same time, like I just don't know if it's enough. The kind of deck I feel like this would fit best in is something that's trying to get your opponent to zero as quickly as possible. Um, in which case, you probably don't want to sacrifice one mana's worth of tempo on the first you know, turn or two. And, you know, not to mention if you draw this in the late game, it uh, can be pretty well useless, or at least its usefulness will have, you know, diminished by that point. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how to feel about this one. I wonder if it squeezes into a control deck that runs some mill mechanics. Uh, have you given the new Cobra Scepter all that much thought? Yeah, I haven't played it yet personally, but I have thought about it a bit. Um, 
I think one of the, the biggest draws for Co-Receptor right now is the only Deception Relics are Slip Blade and Makeshift Shiv. More or less, yeah. And um, running Slip Blade nowadays is like pretty risky because there's a lot of armor running around and yep. Slip Blade can't deal with armor. So I don't think you run Slip Blade anymore. And then Makeshift Shiv is just like an adequate card. Like you can totally replace Makeshift Shiv with Co-Receptor. <clears throat> and like you were saying, it, if you're trying to win the game early, like maybe by turn five or six... This can deal five or six damage, and that's really good for a one-drop. Yeah. Yep, there's a, there's a case to be made for including it in certain uh, deception archetypes. I just don't know if they're the kind of deception archetypes I'm looking to pursue right now. Um, it, it, nice to have it, you know, in Deception's arsenal, I guess. Um, I don't find this, like, nearly as restrictive as uh, Shadow of Lethanon, Um you know, I don't think it's better in a vacuum than Switch Duelist or Shadow of Lethanon. Um, I could also see some scenarios where Makeshift Shiv is just the better option for the favor generation mm -hmm. and uh, similar amounts of damage there. So, yeah. Oh, and just the additional utility. This can't deal damage to creatures. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Interesting change. Uh, I guess we'll see if it's oppressive. You know, in a matter of time, people always tend to explore the aggro archetypes first after big balance patches come out. So, I, I, I I'd imagine there's somebody out there trying Cobra Scepter decks, and uh, we'll see if one of them sticks in due time. Uh, next up, we have a card here. We talked briefly about this just before the show. I uh, might want to spend some time on this here. Mark of Death. Uh, this is a death spell. Fits uh, like a glove in the new zombie death archetype. Uh, it was a three mana spell, it is now two mana. Blessed and give each of your creatures afterlife, summon a one one zombie. So uh, you wanna explain to the people at home what exactly this does for you in the deck it fits best in right now? Uh, yeah, so zombie decks, they spam creatures like nobody's business. The Cursed Obelisk plus Necroceptor means you get three creatures a turn every single turn. And then your payoffs are Nether Swarm Lord or Nefru's Will, both of which really want you to have lots of Nethers on the board. So you're generating Nethers every turn, and then when you play Mark of Death, you're just guaranteeing that those Nethers stick around so that you can Nefru's Will, so that you can uh, Nether Swarm Lord. And then there's obviously the dream scenario of you play Mark of Death, and then you play Nefru's Will and you don't lose any creatures. You get the huge buff, and then the afterlife just refills your board right then and there. Plus, two mana for a blessed effect is really good, especially for a deck that's relying so much on an early game spell, an early game relic. Because like Necroceptor's secondary effect of taking away two favor for each zombie killed helps you control the sanctum and take the relic removal. And then Mark of Death helps you jump up into the sanctum to grab the relic removal, which is super pivotal for that matchup. Yeah, or shuffle it away if you get that blessed effect. Yeah, absolutely. Or get a zombie. You can get the one one <laughs> zombie because you're a zombie deck. You're not wrong. A lot of synergies there with uh, Mark of Death, and um, yeah, kind of uh, you know just at face value and. You know, imagining what those death zombie decks strive to do, this just facilitates in every capacity. The only drawback, really, of those zombie death decks is that sometimes your board state's a little fragile. You're summoning a lot of creatures, but they're probably 1-1s, maybe 2-2s, two maybe a 1-4, something massive like that. But, uh, you know, this, you know, makes your board the stickiest of the icky, you know? 
And um, I, I believe, I, I, I haven't tested it yet, but I believe this stacks. Yep. So if sure you have does. two, okay, yeah, so. Yeah, this is the reason why I've played so much death in the past, like, two days, because this card seems so strong. Yeah, that's super fair. Um, I do wonder if this uh, paves the way for the Harvester, and to a lesser extent, Corpse Explosion. Uh, I wonder if it brings those cards into the fray, just because, you know, not only do the, there's a lot of cards in death, as you mentioned before, that take advantage of wide boards, but, uh, you know, Neferu's Will, for instance, or Sacrifice, right? Which will. Neferu's ne Will is the ne spell. Neferu's Will, for instance, like, even if you only have three creatures on board, like, it's still... It's still nuts. It's still nuts, exactly. Um, whereas, you know, something like Corpse Explosion, something like the Harvester, you really, really want that three to five to six creature wide board. Um, I also wonder about the, the possibility of an OTK deck with, um, you know, Necronomics, Mark of Death, Corpse Explosion. Um, I feel like if you're able to stick a board, there is a route to an OTK there. Uh, I guess if, you, if, if a prerequisite is sticking a board, it's not necessarily an OTK. But I feel like you could have some really, really ridiculous burst damage turns, um, you know, being able to play multiple corpse explosions in the same turn with necronomics and um you know ensure two boards essentially with mark of death there um might have to do that for the for the meme's sake yeah it, that a, sounds like a really cool meme victory totally but uh, just one more uh mark for the mark of death uh, another issue you have when you're playing the zombie decks is since you're generating three creatures a turn it's hard to play more creatures so you end up holding on to your stuff a lot. Hand space issues? Yeah, you have hand space issues. <laughs> it's um, a happy problem. Yeah, and like value generation issues. You're generating too much value for your hand. Oh, and darn it. Yeah, if hate when that happens. Yeah, if, you, if the unfortunate scenario happens where your board is full, you can still play Mark of Death and it's even better. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Yeah. Cripes. This it's is really going to be good. popular, isn't it? I've literally not seen a single person besides me play it. Wow. But, I, but it's, it's really good. I think it's because you're already making so many zombies, people are thinking, why would I want more? Because more is better. Yeah. More is good. Yeah, you always want more. For sure. That's Moore's Law, I believe. Yes. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, no, I think that's going to change in the coming days, um, in no small part, uh, probably because of your streams and uh, this podcast. But All right, I'm going to talk about this card a lot in the next uh, What to Play Over the Weekend video. That's oh, for what? sure. Oh, nice plug. Yeah, go check out the Team Stream Team YouTube page. Uh, youtube.com slash c slash team stream team mudman has been doing a weekly video segment called what is it what should i play this weekend yeah, like what to play over the weekend oh my episode god episode five will be next it's and like i'm not just like blowing smoke up your butt or anything it's the best high level overview of the current meta that i've found like in any medium that's written that's video that's audio um yeah anybody that doesn't check out those videos probably doing themselves a disservice um, and you can learn all about how Mark of Death is uh, seeming sillier and sillier the more I think about it. This card is so good. <laughs> oh, no. Okay, should we move on? Yeah, let's jump into the next one. <laughs> Absolutely. This uh, apparently is a polarizing card you were mentioning before. Yeah, I've had so many people ask me about this next card in Soul Survivor. You want to read the effect? Yeah, for sure. Uh, well, for its uh, mana cost was dropped from 7 to 6. And the effect is give plus five strength to one of your creatures, then deal its strength as damage to each other creature. So a big, big, 
big step down from seven mana to six mana. That's three turns earlier on average. And um, so this is a creature buff. It's an AoE board wipe that does deal mutual creature damage. So, you know, you're banking on your opponent having a board, you not having a board that you care about too many creatures on. Um, and yeah, I, I mean, it, it, my first instinct, I, I'm really having trouble deciding whether or not I think this card is A, good, or B, good enough to actually see play. Uh, I feel like the easiest comp by far is Sudden Bloom. Uh, you know, same casting cost, same strength buff. Uh, similar effect in that if you stick the Overkill and Twin Strike from Sudden Bloom, uh, you know, it can function as a board clear and a creature buff. Uh, and also, they both have the very important prerequisite of needing to have a creature on board to stick them on. Uh, I guess Soul Survivor has the benefit of, you know, it could come down with a one-mana creature on turn seven. Um, you know, maybe it's a card shark from the Sanctum. You're still ending up with a 6-1 and dealing six to everything for seven mana, uh, which could be good in control war archetypes. Um, you could use it to just really cement a lead in an aggro v aggro or mid-range v mid-range matchup uh, if you wanted to use it towards the top end there. Um, I don't know, like, it seems, like, obviously the upside is so high with this card, like, um, I can imagine a scenario where this card's pretty much single-handedly gives you a comeback and wins the game, um, that said, I can see it being a dead card as well, uh, I feel like, I feel like I wouldn't run two of these in any list, I feel like it probably wouldn't be consistent enough, uh, but one, I don't know, I'm still a bit on the fence, do you want to convince me one way or the other? Uh, no, I'd like to talk about how I'm on the fence also. Oh, boy. But for similar, similar but different reasons. Hashtag, I, hashtag analysis. <laughs> I, I think, I think your, your Sudden Bloom comparison was really good. I hadn't thought about Sudden Bloom. I'd been comparing it to Karn Sweep in the sense that it's like, it's a board clear that requires a prerequisite. Um, this one's obviously more expensive, but it has a way higher upside that it can deal damage directly to your face. Um, having a creature stick is kind of difficult especially if your opponent knows that you're planning on soul surviving it's like playing against light you get rid of their creatures before they canonize you get rid of their creatures before they soul survive absolutely so i guess when this works i imagine it hits something with protected which has three attack most of the time or two attack so it's dealing seven or eight damage to everything and then seven damage to face and it's really easy to play around i think if it buffed health then it'd be a no-brainer oh, and it, sure. it'd be this card's nuts but, like, it's going to clear your side of the board, so I feel like it can only really be in a control deck. Because you don't want to clear your side of the board when you're fighting for tempo. It's, just, it's so weird. It's also so expensive. Yeah. Despite the fact that it did get way cheaper. Yeah, the, the card that I stuck it on in my, in my imagination was Anus. You know, being able to stick it on a protected creature like that. Uh, clear board, you can still swing face, you can still trade if need be anus is not too this card. yeah yeah that was I, I guess you know me imagining the highest of upsides but um i was thinking Adi, Adi or the <laughs> the welcome the welcome set version of Adi, because i feel like that's the most likely to live around that time period could be yeah yeah not not 100 percent sure um yeah even like i don't know and the, there's like crazy mega combos like what if you play this on your demogorgon then you clear the board and heal for infinity but that's kind of like a pie in the sky type thing if you played your demo you're probably already in a good enough spot 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it, it strikes me in a similar sense, again, to Sudden Bloom in that I can't really decide if it's a comeback mechanic or a win more card. And, like, you know, there are definitely cards that serve both purposes, uh, you know. Even in war. Yeah, um, yeah, and absolutely. Um, that said, like, this, yeah, it's such a weird card because, like, it's it's upside is a comeback mechanic but at the same time yeah if you're sticking a creature around like six or seven mana as war right like if you're a control war deck and you're sticking a creature on five or six mana going into six mana you're probably doing pretty well already yeah and like would be you know just as well served with you know it's a comeback mechanic that you can't play if you are truly behind which is bad Right. right, like you, you need to have some semblance of board presence for this to even work, and I feel like you usually want it to bail you out. And on top of that, it's not like War has been running around being like, "When are we gonna get a good creature buff card?" Yeah, <laughs> like War has another round. It has Red Fume Serum. If you want like an AOE buff card, it has um the five mana thing that deals one damage to opposing creatures and gives your guys oh, protection. Overproof, brew, overproof yeah. brew. It has overproof brew. Like there's, you're already spoiled for choice with creature buffs. Overproof Brew does a similar effect for less mana. I, I just don't know if this is going to slot in. That being said, I could be totally wrong. It is potentially a huge AoE removal spell, and War has one of the better ones in Karn Sweep, but they don't have many like AoE spells. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a weird card. This is a toughie. Maybe we start seeing those old uh, uh, Zaxium, uh, Anus, uh, the Blessed Chimera... Just oh, you think you know, Blessed Chimera is going to be popular? The old war decks that just ran as much protected and uh, you know Ward and Deadly was in there a lot. Um, oh, maybe we see Cursed Capara come back. Stick yeah, this on there. People kill have, everything. People have brought now, up this, Deadly. You brought. I was going to say you brought up Leech, and we're bringing up Deadly now. It says then deal its da- its strength as damage to each other creature. Yeah. Does that apply in like the same way as Demogorgon's Roar effect, in that if you play it on a leech creature, that damage you're sending around the board has leech? I believe that's how it works. Wow. I'm not 100% sure. Well, that could be interesting. Yeah, like that's why you know, like the leech creatures, the, the super combo. The deadly, I think, is cool in like your head, but in practice, like if you if you have Curse Kapara, you're dealing six damage to everything. Is yeah. six damage not killing everything? Yeah, it should. Maybe something with armor. No, but... um. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. This is um, this is a tricky one. Um, might have to ask the audience on this one. If you guys have uh, any strong opinions either way on Soul Survivor, the new version, uh, please let us know. All right, I think we're both definitely still shaping our opinions. So if you guys want to help color those in, uh, please feel free to reach out. Uh, should we move on to the next card? There's so much to unpack on Soul Survivor. Yeah, we talked about that one for a while. Yeah, more than Mark of Death, maybe. Uh, next up, we have gold-winged fiend, uh, <laughs> gold-winged sphinx, uh, which previously was a five mana five five with roar, give protected to your god, and afterlife, give protected to your creatures until the end of turn. Until the end of turn. Remember yeah. that. Yeah. I didn't know that yesterday. It made me very upset. Oh, oh wow. Oops. I yeah, don't like this card. That, that's important. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, man. <laughs> I can imagine what happened. I'll have to go back and watch, but um. Yeah, uh, so it, it got its attack dropped from 5 to 4. It's now 5 mana 4-5, but it's in the buff section. That would be because it also 
got Frontline, which, you know, not, Frontline is not always enough to bring a card that's not seeing play into play, especially when you couple that with, you know, a stat reduction on attack. But this card is definitely an exception. By, by nature of the afterlife effect, give protected to your creatures until the end of turn. Uh, you know, having Frontline forces your opponent to swing into that first during their turn. If they do, the rest of your creatures become that much harder to remove. If they choose not to remove it, you can dictate the trade and when it dies. And, you know, then you can trade your creatures into their remaining creatures as they'll now have protected. Um, you know, I, I, I don't, I can't, I struggle to think of a card that could be improved more by adding Frontline. Um, I also don't know if it's good enough to make it into Zoo Light lists, just because Zoo Light is so, it's such a tight list, like there are so many slots that are just auto-includes, and there's a lot of competition in that 4 and 5 mana slot for an aggressive-leaning mid-range deck. Um, do you have any experience with Golden-Winged Sphinx outside of uh, the accidental misplay there, and uh, what are your impressions other than you hate it? <laughs> Other than I hate it, um, I think it was definitely a buff. Like when uh, when they first announced this card, I remember I I mentioned it to you. I was like, "This is a cool change. It's got afterlife and frontline." But um, I think the the best thing this card has going for it is um like Light has a ton of great four mana cards, right? Like so many that it would be a waste of time for me to go over them all. But as far as five mana creatures are concerned, it's like sometimes they run Odysseus. They always run two canonizes, but. This being a five mana creature, Light doesn't always have a lot of those, which is nice. Light does like protecting her front line. The only issue I have is that this is going to usually get killed on your opponent's turn. And so that means they get to decide how the protected works, and I like to decide how the protected works. So like that's a bit of a downfall. And like you said, Light has a lot of really good cards. It's hard to take something out to replace for like any replacement. So like although this card got way better, I don't know if it's going to be great. That being said, um, it's an Anubian with an afterlife effect. There's never been an Anubian light deck, but all the Anubian synergy cards that exist in light either buff health or have some sort of afterlife synergy combination. Yeah. So if Anubian light ever becomes a thing, this is an Anubian with afterlife and frontline and decent health. So it, it fits the it fits the the mold that Anubian light would want if it existed. Yeah, that's a great point. I didn't think about that. Gonna have to keep an eye out on a future set spoilers for Anubian light cards. Yeah, and, this uh, could be like a, a high-risk investment card. For sure, yeah. You like volatility? All-in, golden-winged sphinx. Not investment advice to your own research. Don't listen to us about anything. Uh, should we move on there? Yep. Uh, I know Crumpy Lumpkins has brought up multiple times he doesn't like looking at the card. Yeah, he, and would honestly, like the, he would like the card art to be buffed. Make it sitting. <laughs> that's his only argument yeah no i i, I gotta say the first time i heard him say that i was like really dude this is a hill you want to even be on for a second but now that we're staring at it for any extended amount of time i'm starting to agree with him yeah he makes a decent point in every single sculpture or picture of sphinx ever they're always laying down and this one's not yeah breaking the mold <laughs> moving on to our next card we have another death spell uh, this one coming down from 8 mana to 7 mana. Another massive step down. That's right, it is called the Plague. Uh, a couple farmers fending off some zombies. Uh, and the card text stays the same. Transform each creature into a 1-1 zombie. If you are frenzied, 
transform just the enemy creatures instead. Do you have any thoughts on this card here? Uh, well, I know my first thought was like, oh no, gross. Another full board clear for seven mana for death. Which, you know, death has apocalypse now, death has end times, death has demo. They have so many great board clears at seven. Um, and then upon like further thinking, I decided that like, why would you ever run the plague if you, exactly. have, if you have apocalypse yep. now? It's really just <laughs> it's apocalypse funny. now if you're if you're on a budget. We thought of the same comps. Um, I, I I guess I approached it in reverse there. Uh, you know, I just saw eight to seven mana, remembered what it did, and I was like, not better than any of those cards you just mentioned. Probably still not going to make the cut. If, um, if you were thinking, I don't have enough board clears in my board wipe death deck, then you can add the plague, but I would say to you, I think you're playing the deck wrong. <laughs> yeah, I would, I would ask you to look again. Um, you know, it does offer a budget version for people who can't afford Apocalypse now, which uh, the number of people who can't afford Apocalypse now has definitely increased over the past uh, few weeks there. Well, they're going to have to make um, a, a budget demo, a budget Jason, a lot more budget cards to make budget control death. Yeah, yeah, doesn't really serve a useful purpose. Um, but yeah, that's, um, it's it got, a shame. It got better. I wish they just fixed apocalypse now and they had the chance, but, um, alas, this is, uh, the future. <laughs> Moving on to chieftain of impulse. Uh, this is a seven mana war creature. It was a five, five with blitz. And after a friendly creature enters the board, give it blitz and plus two strength. Uh, it's now a six, six. Uh, does this change anything for you, any which way whatsoever? Uh, nope. When I first clicked on this card, because I didn't know what it was, my first thought was, I've never seen this card before in my life. There's no way this is a card. And it, <laughs> it turns out it is, and uh, I don't think it's going to see play, even now. No, never. War it's way too the, expensive. War in the seven mana slot, even if you're just going to filter by Blitz creatures, you have better options. Any, any god. I think you can give this <laughs> to any god, and they wouldn't play it in the seven mana slot. I can't argue with you. It's, it's just not that good. It's not enough. You're not wrong. Easy. Yep. Moving on to Archpriest of Parthene. This one, not nearly as easy for me to digest. Um, it's had its mana cost dropped from 7 to 6. Again, massive drop there. Uh, it's still a 2-2. Two, two. It still gives order plus 3 on roar. And then it gives plus 1 plus 1 to itself for each point of order on the board. So uh, it also has the Olympian tag, if that's relevant. Um, this card, I saw, you know, here and there, uh, a handful of times, maybe, um, previously, in Order Light decks that managed to reach the late game. And, um, you know, being able to squeeze two of these in a deck, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's hard to deal with when it comes down properly, because, you know, if it comes down with any kind of significant buff your board is also going to be darn near useless by virtue of how much order you have on your side of the board. Um, you know, if you stick a Watchful Hound prior, uh, Light has, you know, real cheap one-mana spells to distribute order on the opponent's side of the board. Uh, CERN uh, and Archpriest itself. Uh, th this is going to be a monster at six mana when it comes down. Uh, it's just, does Light want to deviate from the traditional Zoo Light list which usually only runs Asterius or Lysander in the six mana slot, nothing else above it. Is it gonna want to go out of its way and squeeze in two Archpriest of Parthenes and the requisite order cards to take best advantage of it? Uh just to take advantage of its insane upside. 
Um, I, I, I really don't know. I'm leaning towards no. Uh, what do you think there? Yeah, I too would lean towards no. It, it's definitely a car with like, you know, super potential. You know, you got rid of law, give something plus eight order, and the dog gives something plus ten. So if you play the dog or rid of law the turn before, then like this is going to have double digit attack and health, which is huge, right, for six mana. But I think the biggest issue is light doesn't have a ton of draw, barring something like CERN plus High Thermiturge. And this is a card that needs multiple pieces around it to make work. So if you want the card draw to make to like make that accessible, you have to run the whole order package plus the whole card draw healing Thermiturge CERN package. And now you're left with like, what, like 18 card slots for the good cards? <laughs> and like, and like, I think it's cool that it's teasing a new archetype for light but i think we can you know look back at history and say that light is zoo light forever and for always and uh order light is not zoo light yeah also i don't think i want order light to be a viable archetype no order order light is frustrating Any, anyone who's been dogged knows how frustrating it is to be dogged yeah um referring to watchful hound there yes. for the uninitiated yeah sorry um yeah, it's just, I, I don't know. I feel like if this card isn't great now, it's just asking to be problematic in the future, which ironically is uh, what they said they were, you know, working towards avoiding in this balance patch. So I do find it interesting that this uh, caught a buff and such a significant one at that. Well, I guess um, there's a chance they don't make new order cards really in the next set. So I would the, not be upset about that. Yeah, so if, if, it, if this gets locked and order light's not popular, then order light probably won't be popular. Yeah. I guess, like, one important thing to note is that this is a six-mana Olympian, which means it can come down before, like, uh, Hercules. Maybe. For a, a buff. Like, that's, you know, you I, I wouldn't I wouldn't recommend doing that, but it's no, available to you. Yeah. Yeah, it could be. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, I'm on the fence. Uh, I, I just, I don't... I'm not worried about it now, but I am worried about it, if that makes sense. Yeah, um, it can have way more stats than your average six mana creatures. And if it does have a lot of stats, it also it means your opponent doesn't have creatures that can deal with it because their creatures are ordered. Yeah. So if you can have it come down and be big, it's probably gonna it's probably gonna win the game. But yeah. how often can you make it happen? If order removal effects were more ubiquitous, if every domain had access to them, I'd probably feel a lot differently. Because, uh, you know, if you could reactivate your board and they just played, like, a massively overstatted six-mana creature, you know, that's not insurmountable. But, um, yeah, the two effects combined, uh, this being, like, a payoff for already ruining your opponent's board activity. Um, yeah, I, 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 a little nervous, but I tend to lean nervous whenever light catches a buff in any capacity. Uh, well, you know, we'll see how that transpires. Uh, next up, we have Professor of Murder. Uh, which I needed a refresher on uh, what it does there. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, again, big, big drop from 7 mana to 6 mana. Not nearly as worried about this one, because it's still a 5-3 with hidden, and after one of your creatures attacks, give it hidden for one turn. With roar, give flank to your other creatures. It's a guild creature, if that matters. Not sure it does. Um, comments, questions, concerns? Yeah, this is really, really similar to that war card that went from 7 to 6 mana, the one that like gave things blitz that neither of us knew anything about. It's pretty much the same because the card was ridiculously overpriced at 7 mana. At 6 mana, still bad. Yeah, 
Yeah, the other one just had its stats buffed. It didn't. If, oh, it, if it dropped from seven to six, maybe. Uh, I don't know. Either way, like that Forget card, this it. buff didn't matter. Yeah, this exactly. Yep, still a collector's item. Uh, I still think the professor f- deserves a better homage. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe something equal to Cern's, but that remains. Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll figure that out. We'll take that to the Discord. Let's leave it off the pod here. <laughs> Feedback channel, right? Um, last but eh, maybe least, we have. Lightning Talisman, uh, three mana, one three magic relic. With uh, after your god attacks a creature with this relic, give that creature at the end of your turn deal two damage to a random friendly creature. So that's a lot of text, and I don't like any of it. It yeah. doesn't have blitz. You need to attack a creature with a one mana relic for three ma- or one attack relic for three mana in order to get the passive effect. And then the passive effect doesn't actually take effect until the end of your opponent's turn. So they have ample time to trade it in, sacrifice it if it behooves them. Uh, this card strikes me as too slow, not good. Yeah. Thoughts? Way too slow, really weak. Any of it's like even like moderately confusing. The at the end of your turn, like you might think you hit the end turn button and the effect happens. It's your opponent's next turn. He's the you in this scenario. Yeah, because our creature has it. Yep. And just like man, like light has or not light. Sorry, magic has palace's wand. Magic has um, artisan scepter. Those are good relics. Like you, make, <laughs> you would never play this deck, like play this in a deck that has those relics. Because what if you destroy one of your ones that matter? I'm also like, there's no point in even talking about it more. It's just it's very obviously weak. Yeah. Every other magic relic is better. Every other magic card is better, except maybe like read the leaves. <laughs> Damn, roasted. Um, yeah. So uh, that that sums up our thoughts on lightning talisman pretty succinctly. Can you believe it used um, to be worse? It used to be four mana, yeah, that's um rough going for uh people who like magic relics, I guess. Um this came this patch came along with a bunch of bug fixes, not gonna go through those there, but always happy to see them. And um yeah, just again, like I don't I don't know if I have any macro conclusions to draw from this balance patch. It doesn't seem nearly as significant as the last one. Uh, you know, Guild Enforcer's usage rate going down, I feel good. like, is less impactful than its usage rate going from 0 to 100. Uh, so, you know, happy to see it go, uh, or at least its previous form go. Um, I think this is overall another step in the right direction. So, you know, big shouts to the balance team, who's been absolutely killing it lately. And, um, yeah, it kind of looks like we're doing that last-minute tidying up uh, before we get ready to lock a set in, um, what, any any macro thoughts on the latest patch? Anything you're surprised uh, didn't get hit, did get hit? Uh, not really. I I imagine we get like at least one or two more balance patches before the the set gets locked. But like like you said before, we are close to the set locking up. And one thing I'm happy about is none of these cards strike me as obviously way too strong. So, like, you know, you don't want to get into a situation where it's, like, they bev- they buff Nefru's Kopesh, like, a week before everything gets locked, and now it's crazy and it's locked forever, or, like, a Pious Giant. Yeah. You know, like, they, they buffed Pious Giant, like, the day before they locked everything. Yep. So, like, I'm very happy that none of these are obviously too strong. Yep, and I'm happy to see ones that might have been, i.e. Guild Enforcer in the last patch, changed after just, you know, a couple yeah, two of weeks. weeks versus a couple of months, uh thinking back to that enduring shield meta um yeah no just really happy to see the uh just like the balance team being so nimble 
Mm-hmm. It's just ah, wonderful. So definitely appreciate it from them. Um, let us know what you guys think about the balance patch. Excited to see it. Uh, anything you're hoping gets a look at before we do lock up the balancing phase, uh, let us know. We'll chat about it next episode. Um, moving on to some more peripheral news in the Gods Unchained community. Uh, big, big news for new players, quite frankly. I've heard a lot of new players uh, lauding this latest development, and that would be that Immutable X is now supporting three currencies for cards to be bought and sold for. Uh, uh, four currencies, actually. I forgot about USDC. Because <laughs> um, <laughs> who would? But I guess some people, maybe. But um, nevertheless, that is very, very important for new players that have participated in the Blessing of the Gods event, have earned themselves some gods tokens, but maybe those gods tokens aren't worth enough to justify withdrawing from IMX swapping on a decentralized exchange for Ethereum, and then depositing that Ethereum onto IMX just in order to close that play-to-earn loop and cash in on their play-to-earn earnings and build out their collections. Uh, This is just a direct one-to-one path. You earn gods for participating in the event. You go on the Immutable X marketplace. You look for the card you want. You filter by gods as the currency, and uh, you can just scoop it you know, uh, one-stop shop there. Uh, versus, you don't. You never have to leave the IMX ecosystem, so you never have to engage with the egregious Ethereum gas fees. Um, really, really happy to see it for new players, especially, and um, also for myself. Just uh, you know, uh, di- uh, more options is never a bad thing. And um, me personally, I've been burning through quite a bit of gods forging. And, you know, I certainly don't want to lose my exposure to the God's token over time. Um, So, you know, if I'm going to spend more forging than I'm going to earn from the Blessing of the Gods event, I like having the option to sell some of those forged cards for more God's tokens and replenish my stack. Um, So just really stoked to see that happening. Looking forward to automatic conversions on the back end. So if I have ETH but you want God's, I can just pay ETH. It's automatically converted. You end up with God's tokens. I end up with the card. Everybody's happy. Um, Once that's enabled, which theoretically is possible to build on IMX, I feel like that's when things will just like really take off and like all of the obstacles, points of friction will have been removed. Um, Really, really stoked to see this development. Hoping for future developments. Um, sorry, I feel like I might have touched on anything. Got any thoughts on this subject? <laughs> uh, not really. I like me just echo your sentiment. I, I think it's just absolutely huge for sure for, for the new players and for the the play to earn loop. Because you know, like you said before, like there's no way you made enough gods to justify taking it off layer two, converting it, and putting it back on there too. You were definitely spending more in fees. Absolutely. And I had a lot of people hit me up asking if I would. Uh facilitate some gods for cards trades over the counter which you know i I can't recommend anybody do um just because you know strangers on the internet uh you know that said uh uh all of mine went wonderfully well oh yeah Um, it worked for me nobody got scammed in mine so realistically people like us we got ruined because before you had to go through us to get rid of your gods oh man yeah our influence and power is just depleting by the moment um, please don't stop immutable. Just keep decentralize everything. But um, yeah, no, definitely just great for them to have a direct route to building out their collection based on their earnings. Uh, big shouts to the immutable team for that implementation. 
Uh, more more fun community news. Oh, but uh, just personally, I've been so excited to turn my NFTs into USDC. What about you? <laughs> Good one. <laughs> um, moving on, we have uh, uh, all sorts of exciting news popping up around the community. Uh, right around the holiday time, I think a lot of people have, you know, maybe time off of work, just some free time to, uh, you know, put on some fun events for the community and, uh, you know, give these new players something to be excited about. And that has certainly come in the form of community tournaments. Um, I think it was four or five tournaments were announced in like the same week. And now they're not all happening simultaneously, but um, they are more or less all happening this month. Uh, a couple of them have filled up, so uh, we will pass on letting you know about uh, the ones where, you know, time has passed maybe. Uh, one where registration has filled up is a tournament that just started yesterday, hosted by Lion Unchained and Black Gaston, two pillars of the community. Um, and they will be live streaming, uh, you know, broadcast coverage of some of the, you know, best games from that tournament so if you're looking to watch some of the best players play in one of the most competitive settings uh you know hosted by just uh, a couple of class acts in lion unchained and black gaston uh you're gonna want to head over to twitch.tv slash lion unchained uh that's where you'll be able to find all of their live coverage we have another tournament starting up on the 20th hosted by Fake Muse and Team Toxic. It's the Toxic Holidays Spectacular. Uh, that starts December 20th. Uh, coverage will be on twitch.tv slash fakemusetv. And uh, I, I'll actually be participating in this one. I missed the signups on several of these. But um, you're going to be participating in the uh, <laughs> Toxic Holidays Spectacular? Uh, I'm not signed up right now. I was under the impression that the sign-up phase was already finished. No, there are, uh, last we checked, about 140 open slots in uh, the Toxic Holidays Spectacular. Um, and just so everybody knows, you can check out the Community Events channel in the GU Discord, and uh, you can find a link to the Challenge page to sign up for the tournament. It's free to enter. There is a, you know, there is a prize pool. You can win money if you do well. And again, that'll be on twitch.tv slash TV on December 20th if you want to check that out. Last but certainly not least, our very own producer, Soul One, has partnered up with playtoearn.net to put on the Play to Earn League Christmas event. Starts December 28th. That tournament is hosted on Community Gaming, so you can head over there and sign up. Again, it is free to enter. There are open slots, so get in while you can. And uh, yeah, just excited to see the tournament scene uh, coming back in abundance. Love playing in them, love watching them on the Twitch there. And um, actually, I guess while we mention uh, playtoearn.net, um, real quick, if you don't mind us uh, soliciting some votes for you from you, um, the Mudman and I, along with a number of wonderful Gods Unchained content creators, were nominated for Best Content Creator 2021 which is part of the uh, playtoearn.net awards. Uh, we will post a link in the description of this episode. So if you guys wouldn't mind clicking that link, head over there. You know, obviously vote for the Pods Unchained Boys and anybody else you recognize. You can choose up to five candidates. And, um, you know, there is a cash prize. You know, there is some exposure there. So if you don't mind putting those in, it would really help us out. Um, that's about it for all of the uh, community tournaments coming up. Again, you're going to want to keep your eyes peeled on Twitch 
in the Gods Unchained category uh, for some fire coverage and great gameplay. And uh, yeah, I'm just really looking forward to it. I hope you uh, get into the uh, Toxic Holidays Spectacular. I've heard it's going to be spectacular. And very toxic. Oh. But uh, also just the, the first one on the list, the the Lion and Black Gaston tournament. <clears throat> uh, if you're a new player, you might not be familiar with Black Gaston. He hasn't been around a ton lately. But Black Gaston might be the most talented Gods Unchained commentator around. The only man capable of commentating three games at one time while organizing a tournament. I've watched him do it. It's amazing. He wears a suit. He's very <laughs> knowledgeable. He's really good. And he's also just incredibly entertaining. If he's not going nuts commenting, commentating three games at one time, he's just going to be super fun to listen to. Definitely recommend checking out that um, that tournament and just following Black Gaston in general. He's a super great streamer. For sure. 100%. Yeah, Everyone on the list is, is great. Fake News is great. But I'm sure you guys know Fake News. Black Gaston's been gone for a little while. Absolutely. He's definitely worth a follow. Yeah, and we'd be remiss not to shout out Soul One, who has uh, worked behind the scenes on not just this podcast, but a lot of community tournaments up to this point and continuing forward. So uh, yeah, big shouts to all the hosts, big shouts to all the sponsors. Uh, Let's play some games, let's win some money. Uh, On the note of winning, last week, or two weeks ago, I guess, was a pretty historic moment here on Pods Unchained. We had the first ever Pods Unchained giveaway. And, uh, you know, the requirements were listed in the episode. You had to find a uh, tweet on our Twitter account, at Pods Unchained. You had to like it, retweet it, follow the account, and you were entered to win a Meteorite Ecophone. We uh, pulled the winner earlier today. Uh, We'll post a link in the description of this episode. Uh, All of the results of the giveaway are publicly verifiable. And the winner was at Melty Squid. On Twitter, congratulations, Melty Squid. I'm assuming that's Hooray. also Icy Squid and Squid 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 Squid. Uh, just a you know mainstay within the community. Love seeing him around the streams. Um, so congratulations to, uh, I guess him or her. I, I can't be sure. Squid, um, great job, Squid. Great, great job, Squid. And um, we'll uh, we'll reach out to you on Twitter uh, if you feel like getting in touch with us via Discord. Get us that ETH address that we can send over your shiny meteorite echophone. And, um, you know, continuing the exciting news, the exciting giveaway-related news, we enjoyed, my man and I enjoyed this past giveaway so, so much. I think we're addicted now. Oh, yeah, we've gone nuts. So we decided, what's better than one giveaway? Another giveaway. Uh-huh. That's right. We got another one coming up this episode. Let you know how to uh, enter into that in just a moment. Um, it ties nicely into a little teaser that we have for you. Uh, we're wrapping up the year, 2021, almost over, just a couple weeks left. But uh, some exciting news for the podcast going into the new year. Um, we are hoping to have many more guests on the podcast. Uh, you know, just community voices. You know, people like we mentioned earlier, Lion and Chain, Black Esson, Fake Muse, RTS teammates, uh, Bonk, Mirage. Um, you know, commu- community uh, moderators, uh, other content creators, etc. Just to get more voices, perspectives in the room and uh, give more people a platform to share their thoughts on the game. And uh, we are also blessed to announce that we will be having not one, but two immutable team members join us after the new year in Senior Game Dev Dan the Dev and I am Bryn of the game design and balance team. They will both be joining the Mudman and I for an episode of Pods Unchained after the new year. 
We are very excited and we need your help. We are asking the community for questions. We want your best interview questions that you've just been dying to ask a senior game dev like Dan the Dev or a balance team member like I am Bryn. And we want you to submit those questions to us via Twitter. So here come the rules of the contest. Listen up, write this down. You're going to go to at pods unchained on Twitter. You're going to find the tweet about this episode, which is episode 35. And you're going to, you're going to like the tweet, retweet the tweet and reply to the tweet with your question. The Mudman and I are going to go through every single reply. There are no stupid questions. Some might be better than others. There are stupid <laughs> questions. We don't want bad questions. We only want good questions. If you're writing a bad question, just don't. Write a good one. That's good That's good advice, too. Thank you. Um, yes, do what feels right, but I hope it's a good question. Um, it will be either way. We will be picking our favorites. We're not going to pick the bad ones. We're going to pick the best ones. And we're going to ask Dan the Dev and I am Brid. I am Bryn right here on the podcast, live, in studio. And if your question is chosen, we are going to send you a meteorite rolling watcher. Oh my god, that's Genesis. Absolutely. Yup. Currently uh, worth like 4 or $5. It tends to fluctuate on any given day. Um, I can tell you that it is the Genesis Common with the most individual support uh, coming from yours truly and uh, the rest of the TST uh, squad there. So, yeah, you know, pick yourself up one of the coolest Genesis cards in Rolling Watcher by just submitting a great question for us to ask Dan the Dev or I am Bryn. Um, you know, maybe you've just been dying asking questions, uh, you know, regardless of anything. And sure, they're very communicative in the Discord, but if there's anything you really want us to get into the nitty gritty on, uh, again, you're going to find the tweet about episode 35. You're going to like it, retweet it, and reply to the tweet with your question. We'll pick our favorites. If yours is chosen, we'll send you a meteorite rolling watcher. So good luck to everyone. Looking forward to those community questions and really looking forward to those fire guests. Can you believe we were able to land both? Yeah, I'm really excited for the, the interview, actually. I can't wait. I've written out a bunch of questions, but I need more questions, and that's where you guys come in. We have such a huge running list, but um, you know, if you guys submit one that we we're planning on asking already, it will still be considered, so no worries there. So don't forget, go retweet, like, reply to the tweet about episode 35 with your question, uh, vote for us for the best content creator rewards, and that's all we're going to tell you to do. That's all your homework. But um, hey, you might end up with a free Genesis card or two. Uh, once we get to that episode there, um, we will be back next week, uh, you know, same time as ever, Wednesday or Thursday, give or take. And, um, uh, you know, we will continue to keep going through the new year, through the holiday season. But um, the Gods Unchained team taking a well-deserved holiday break. So, again, we won't have Dan the Dev or I am Bryn on until the new year. But nevertheless, Never too early to start building up hype, and I'm very much looking forward to it. Yeah, that'll be a great episode for sure. Must must listen. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think that's about it for us. Uh, covered quite a bit. Just exciting times in Gods Unchained. It hasn't really stopped for several months. Couldn't be more stoked on it. Uh, any idea what you're going to run this weekend, or should people check the Team Stream Team YouTube page to find that out? Oh, they should definitely check out the Team Stream Team YouTube page. And, uh... One thing that people haven't been realizing that I'm going to make a big point of reference in the video is the deck codes are in the description. 
That's low key <laughs> the most the most valuable part of the video is you can just copy and paste the deck codes. Remember they're in there. Absolutely. Also, don't forget to like and subscribe. Oh, that goes um, without saying. And comment. <laughs> comment anything. Yeah, please. Even if it's just your favorite number, um, your favorite color. Anything along those lines, it helps when it comes to metrics and the algorithm. You can comment on how you love my mustache or hate my mustache or think everything I said was garbage. I like any comment. What if I'm just immensely jealous of your mustache? Great. Good for the algorithm. All right. I'll let you know. I'll even give you some of the hair. <laughs> well, I'm sold now. Um, all right. I'm going to get right on that. Um, thanks again for listening. As per always... Uh, let's spin up that little link and until next week, please take it easy, guys. Things are so bright for you. I hope that is You bring so much I'm so excited for you. Things are so bright for you. I hope that is You bring so much for I'm so excited for you.